Just before we start the podcast, we would like to invite you to get a copy of our new book called Living From Your Art. You can find it on any Amazon platform. You will see it's a very bright colored orange and yellow uh, book cover and it was made for you artists because you help us live in a better world. We want to help you get more work. So thank you so much and let's start this podcast. Only live, we are live. <laughs> hey, we made it. So funny how live show have some technical aspect also to it. So, so cool to have you, everyone. Please gather. You have full place in the virtual room. Yes, I'm Caroline. Welcome to another episode of the Puppet Podcast. And yes, I do this show with a lot of passion and enthusiasm. I know it's a lot of stuff to here but i i know that you enjoy it so that's why i keep this mood because i feel we need to bring the follow spot on puppetry and we need to bring this passion to the world so that's why we do the puppet podcast so tonight we are so lucky because we connect with someone from the u.s here is Julie Dunsby. that's by I, I i pronounce it in french <laughs> but Julie is in the virtual studio with me. But before we go into the interview, I just want to let you know some cool stuff that we're organizing as the Puppet Podcast. We organize workshop. And we have at this address, Patreon, our Patreon, we have a workshop coming on Sunday in the morning if you are east. It's really early if you're in California area. But it will be with Satyajit, Yes, Satyajit, who is a famous ventriloquist in India, who will share his knowledge about ventriloquism. And yes, we will talk about those tricks and how we can do puppetry without moving the mouth. I'm so curious about that. I, I, I haven't done ventriloquism in my life. So let's try it to do something really interesting with Satyajit on Sunday. So that was a commercial. So now, please, everyone, if you are watching feel free to write into the comment, like just be interacting with us. We love to have some questions, to have some comment, to know from where you are watching because that's the magic of live show. So everyone, that's the time for the drum roll too. Yes, welcome in the screen, the wonderful Julie Dansby. Hi. <laughs> How are you, Carol? I'm really good. And you? Good. Good. Yeah. I, I'm trying to get my, my lighting right, but I don't think I can get it right where I need to be, but that's okay. <laughs> yeah. So let me put my headphones. I, I feel it will be better with this. Move over a little bit. There we go. <laughs> yeah. That's <laughs> the technicality of it. So, so, so funny because we, we have, I, I need to tell a bit the audience what's happening we we were struggling with the camera and the mic and it was I, funny because julie work in disney and i was hearing a mic with a funny voice as a puppetry <laughs> maybe you you do in disney so so cool to to get the chance to connect a bit late but we are there for the yes. live it's thank perfect. you thank you so much Thank you to you. So, Julie, I want, I always ask the puppeteer to introduce himself or, or herself 
to the crowd who are watching. So it's it's kind of a challenge to do to to introduce and to say from where we come. And uh, so I want to, you to do that. So could you? Sure, sure. Um, uh, my name is Julie Dansby, and I have been a puppeteer um, professionally since 1998. Um, so that's what 22 years, 23. Yeah. Years? No. And um, and but I started in puppetry er earlier than that. I started when I was about 12 years old. Um, and, uh, but my, most of my career in puppetry has been, was at the center for puppetry arts in Atlanta, Georgia. I don't know if you've ever been or visited, but, um, it's a wonderful, wonderful place. Um, it just celebrated an anniversary, I think either yesterday or today. Um, Jim Henson, you know, cut the ribbon in 1978, uh, for, uh, to open the center for puppetry arts. Um, Vincent Anthony was the executive director and, uh, was there for many, many, many years, only recently retired. And um, yeah, it's it was an, an incredible place to work. Um, I was there for almost 15 years. Um, my first several years there was as a resident puppeteer. So I was there um, just doing shows and I, I helped briefly in the puppet shop once. <laughs> that was, I'm not a builder. <laughs> So that was, that was not, uh, that was a, a wonderful education. Um, but, uh, I, uh, most of the time I was there just as a performer, um, as a puppeteer. Yeah. Uh, and then in 2004, I, I was there as a resident puppeteer just year after year after year. They just uh, continued to hire me. We had a really wonderful relationship. Um, and then the, in 2004, um, the head puppeteer moved away and they put me into the position of head puppeteer. So I was head puppeteer from 2004 until I moved from Atlanta in 2012. And I moved to, the, uh, to come down to Florida to be closer to my family. And um, eventually I taught, actually taught drama for four years in middle school. Oh. <laughs> and I know, they're, but we use puppets. I, I yeah. had a time doing puppet units with them. Um, and I still do workshops in schools and, and with teachers um, about puppetry and how to use puppets in their classroom. Um, and then I've, uh, then eventually I ended up at Disney, um, at working as a puppeteer and, uh, performing there. So, and there I got the opportunity to work with several shows, um, including, uh, the Voyage of the Little Mermaid show and my favorite show of all the, um, great moments the muppets present great moments in american history which is um not no longer running but it's supposedly a seasonal offering so maybe they'll bring it back but that was at magic kingdom in the in liberty square with uh, sam eagle and the muppets telling some stories about american history which they didn't exactly get right and then everything went to chaos and then everybody you know loved it so <laughs> it was really it was really a lot of fun um but yeah, but I think my my years at the Center for Puppetry Arts were really my major puppet education. Uh -huh. um, eventually at, at Disney, I'm now classified as a puppet specialist. So, um, but I haven't really done a lot in that role because then the pandemic hit and the parks shut down for a while. And then they've been kind of slow to reopen entertainment um, because it requires people to sit together in a theater, you know, as we all uh -huh. know. So, um, but but yeah, I'm I'm you know back there now. Uh, and hopefully we'll be doing some more puppet stuff soon. 
But uh, in addition to uh, working as a puppeteer, you know, just doing puppets, I've also led workshops. Um, I, uh, I had the privilege of leading a workshop at the O'Neill uh, National Puppet Conference back in 2009 on tabletop puppetry. And I also did have done several tabletop puppetry workshops um, at the National Puppet Festival uh, through the Puppeteers of America. So those things have been amazing and really fun. Um, and yeah, I just, I've, I've, uh, that's kind of me in a nutshell, I guess. <laughs> yeah, in the past, in the fast way to express all you have done, but it's quite a, a journey in your career that you get the chance to work with so many people and do workshop and bring your knowledge to the world. That's amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And, and like I said, working when I came to the Center for Puppetry Arts, I only knew hand and rod puppetry because that's the only kind that I had done previously. Um, but working there, they do everything that can be called a puppet. So I did everything from, you know, teeny tiny shadow puppets on an overhead projector, um, all the way up to gigantic dinosaur body puppets that were like, you know, 11, 12 feet tall. So it was, it was everything. And I just learned so much. And I, I really became in love with um, tabletop rod puppetry because uh, we did a lot in the Czech Black theater style um, of with puppets and on tabletops. And I learned, you know, working in an ensemble in that way, uh -huh. you know, two and three puppeteers on a puppet creating one character. And I, I found that that was really a style that I just loved. So that's what I teach a lot because, uh, you know, a lot of people know hand and rod style and they know lip sync and they know, you know, eye focus and those kind of basics. And those, they, you know, they apply across different styles of puppetry. But, um, I think, you know, something a little unusual uh, is to, to, you know, to American audiences anyway, is to teach this style of tabletop rod. Uh -huh. So, uh, and it, it's really good for, because a lot of organizations, they know they want team building exercises and various things like that. And it's, it, that's exactly what it is. It's like everybody has to work together to make one puppet come to life. Yeah. And, um, you know, if someone falls down on their job, then the whole thing doesn't work. So, so yeah, it's, it's great. <laughs> it's really cool. And we have people who are watching from, uh, from people that, you know, I think we have uh, oh, Valerie. Yeah. yeah say hi, oh, no. my friend. Yeah. Valerie, she, she miss you. Yeah. Oh, I miss her too. And, and she asked a question. This is really interesting. Did you go to school to become a puppeteer? That's part of also the question I asked, but that's good that it came from the audience. Yes. Uh, yeah, I want to know that too. I I actually did not go to school specifically to be a puppeteer. Um, there's not a whole lot of places in the United States that you can do that. You can do it at, at the University of Connecticut and um, CalArts also has some puppet programs and and uh, it's the University of West Virginia, I think also has um, a strong puppetry program. But most places, um, you know, I, I went to school for theater, just for theater in general. So, um, you know, mus musical theater was kind of my thing. I'm also a singer, so I did a lot of musical theater, but um, I did not go to school specifically for puppetry, but I went to school for, for drama and acting and theater. And it's all, you know, part of that theatrical art. Yeah, because I have one of the deep question of the Puppet Podcast is about the field of study. So let me ask you, what's the best field of study in your opinion to become a puppeteer? Um. I would say uh, 
you know, definitely the, the theater arts, um, yeah. movement arts, especially. Um, I had a, a pretty strong background in mime. Um, uh -huh. my, uh, my, one of my teachers, when I went to graduate school, I, I went to graduate school at the University of Georgia, um, and uh, one of my teachers, John Ammerman, had studied in France under Marcel Marceau. Yeah. And so and he brought that back to us. And um, I remember a lot of my classmates, you know, at the time, you know, when I was growing up, mine was really actually quite popular. You know, you'd see Shields and Yarnell on TV or you'd see um, Marcel Marceau on, on, I remember seeing him on Mr. Rogers Neighborhood yeah. um, and just being mesmerized by his performances. And, um, but then it kind of fell out of fashion and it became something, you know, mine became something that people like made fun of. And, and, um, but when, so my classmates, you know, were kind of like, yeah, I don't know about studying mine kind of thing. They want to do, you know, Shakespeare and their graduate students in theater. But, um, I, I loved it. And <laughs> I remember specifically coming out of class one day and one of my classmates went, she thought it would offend me. She's like, I don't want this to offend you, but I think you're really good at this stuff. <laughs> and, and so Ben, I think learning mime and knowing mime and knowing those kind of classic, more classical techniques of mime, yeah. using movement to tell a story uh, really translates almost, I mean, one-to-one -one directly into, into uh -huh. poetry. I mean, it's using movement to, to tell a story. Um, I mean, of course, a lot of puppets talk as well. But the really good ones, um, you know, use use either movement and vocals or uh, just movement. I love stuff that's just purely yeah. a story told with movement, and that because that can translate over all languages, uh, you know, through different cultures sometimes. Um, and so I think my 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 background in mime really helped me. And then oddly enough, um, I think uh, a a good background in physics. Uh, helps with puppetry. I mean, I know a lot of uh, marionette artists and things will tell you, yeah, you need balance, you know, you have to know the balance, you have to know um, all this when you're creating a puppet, but even in the movement of the puppet, um, you want to, if you want your puppet to be believable, now, of course, puppets can do anything because yeah. puppets, and that's part of the fun of them. But if you want, you know, if you have a character that's supposed to be sort of in a real world setting, um, having it obey the laws of physics is you know paramount to your technique because if you have a puppet i'm gonna use an example here yeah um, uh, now this is uh, i was gonna bring this up later this is a, a puppet design that i actually make um in a tutorial video i made it for the kennedy center um but it's based on a design by a rogue puppet ensemble it's just a really simple yeah. way to make a rod pup a, a tabletop it's rod puppet yeah i mean it's newspaper and craft sticks and masking tape and that's all you need and you can make a you know a full figure puppet is it beautiful no but it's serviceable to learn and i use it a lot i you make, make them a lot for workshops and stuff like that if you're traveling um you know and you don't want to bring a giant suitcase full of puppets or, you, or i don't even have really a lot of puppets of my own because i was always working at somewhere that had the puppets disney has their own puppets you know the center for art puppety arts made their own puppets so I didn't have a lot of puppets that I could do. Like, I want to do a tabletop rod workshop. Uh, well, I can fly there. I can have some craft sticks and newspaper in my suitcase. And then I can, you know, construct, you know, puppets before my workshop. So anyway, but you have to, with a puppet like this, you have to obey 
if you're not obeying the laws of physics, if your center of gravity of your puppet is not over your base, you know, and your puppet's standing like that, uh-huh. you know, unless he's Michael Jackson in the Smooth Criminal video, you, you go, that that's wrong. You know, anybody watching that, you don't have to be a professional puppeteer or have puppetry experience. You can go, that thing should fall down because yeah. of the laws of physics. Yeah. So knowing those laws of physics, knowing, okay, my center of gravity has to be over my base. Otherwise that thing is going to fall over. That's, that's, you know, simple physics plus, you know, puppet technique as far as movement communication, you know, you have laws like, um, uh, you know, for every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction, right? So, you know, like you, if, you know, you react back or you, you go back to go forward, you know, those, those kind of little technique things that are really based in, in the physics of the actual world. Now they're heightened with a puppet because, um, it's stylized and you, you know, you have to use the movement and catch people's attention in a slightly different way to make it, um, to, to make the movement communicate in the way yeah. you need to. But a lot of that is, you know, the simple, the laws of laws of physics just kind of magnified a little bit. I use an example, a lot of my workshops where like, if you have a, a ball, right. And you want to send the energy this way, if you just go that way, the ball is going to fall. But if you yeah. go back first and then go that way, then, then the ball has some energy behind it. And it's the same thing with puppet movement. If you want your puppet movement to have meaning and energy, you know, if you just go forward, it doesn't have the same impact as going, I'm going to go for, you know what I mean? That sort of back to go forward. Yeah. So those kind of little puppet techniques. Um, and they, they're also in mind too, that, you know, that, you know, you don't just do the movement, you do something that's a little bit more stylized and it, it brings it to life in a different way and it communicates in a different way. Yeah. So, so it's physics, so I use a lot of examples straight out of physics yeah. um, when I'm teaching puppetry. Yes. Um, if your puppet doesn't look right, then or isn't obeying the laws of physics, it takes people out of the believability of it. Suddenly they're like, they're going, oh, well, I don't believe yeah. it's alive or real because it's standing all wonky. Um, so, you know, that's kind of the first step is to make your puppet look believably real as a real thing in the real world and have it obey those laws of physics. Yes, that's so good. It's a great, like, it's kind of, we got a, a little crash course at the same time. And yes, the audience is really, uh, like, mesmerized about that. We have Rubina who said, there is beauty in simplicity. I, I love Absolutely. this. Absolutely. And, you know, the, even simple things communicated, um, you know, in that manner can connect with with any audience you know you yeah. there's a universality to puppets um that connects across borders and across um cultures in a lot of ways and you yes. know one of the things that we all experience is the laws of physics we all fall down <laughs> so, totally, totally you know so if things look like they should fall down then people are not going to be as engaged in your puppet show because they're going to go i don't believe that thing but if yeah. you you know, the people, the puppeteers who really know how to use those techniques and, and make sure that their puppet looks believable in the real world, um, then, you know, we're along for the ride, we're along for the story. You know, nothing's there yeah. that's going to jolt us out of it. Yes, Rubina, I agree with that. She was <laughs> saying this. So this is so interesting. I, I, I love it because it's technical at the same time. Then yeah, to, it's... 
with it's, style, as you say. <laughs> it's it's art and science. I think yeah. marries the two in a lot of in a lot of ways. You know, talk to any puppet builder. I mean, a lot of it is science principles. You know, put put to work to make a mechanism or to make a you know to make the right kind of design for the puppets puppeteer's hand or what have you. so you know science and and art are married very well in puppetry yes so i have another deep question for you julie yes. I, <laughs> I want to know um your crush moment because we 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 have everyone an anecdote where we we saw a puppet or we understand that we want to do that so yes. we have something like this. Um, it's kind of twofold. I think a lot of people, uh, a lot of puppeteers, you know, my age and, you know, a little bit younger, um, Sesame Street was my first exposure to puppetry. Um, yeah. and, uh, and, and I loved it. Uh, my Our PBS station aired Sesame Street twice a day. It was on in the morning and in the afternoon. It was the exact same episode every day. So the, the same episode that aired at eight o'clock in the morning or whatever would air it again at three in the afternoon. I watched, as a preschooler, I watched both shows. I would watch it twice. And I remember my my mother was very confused because she's like, you know, Julie, you're, you're a smart kid. You already know all your letters and your numbers. She couldn't understand why I, I was so mesmerized by this show and that I would watch it the same episode twice in one day. But I think as I look back on it, I was mesmerized by those characters and the way they moved and their their um, just everything about them just appealed to yeah. me. Their humor, um, their personalities, everything. And I think, you know, taking that with me later on when I started to learn puppetry myself, I remembered those techniques. I knew what puppets were supposed to look like because I'd seen that on television. I'd seen, you know, Jim Henson and Frank Oz really make those characters alive. And so when I started to do it myself, I started to mimic those techniques to make those characters look as alive as I could. Yes. So, this... But the first time I ever really did puppets myself, yeah. um, I was about 12. Um, and I had, I was always dramatic i was loved singing and dancing and performing i was always that kid that was putting on a show um and but we i got to a place you know we'd moved around a lot my dad was military and we got to a place where we know there was no theater where i was there was no that my school didn't have a theater program you know there was no arts um but the church that we were going to had a puppet team this was in the 80s and those were really popular in the u.s and, and churches and i was like well I like puppet, you know, I've, and they were hand and rod Sesame Street style puppets. And I was like, I know how this works. I, I've watched enough Sesame Street and Muppet Show to know how these are supposed to look. So I, you know, I worked with that the, that group for three years and just loved it. Um, and then that's kind of later on when I went, you know, I did my theater education, but then I went back, moved back to Atlanta and I saw that the Center for Puppetry Arts was having auditions. And I was like, well, I, I've worked with, you know, I worked with puppets for three years and you know, the worst they can say is no thanks, you know, when you go to an audition. Yeah. So, yeah, so that was one of the luckiest moments of my life because I went to the audition and they hired me. And not only did they hire me for one show, they hired me for three for the whole season right away. They were trying something kind of new, hiring puppeteers for the season. And then I just stayed. <laughs> I just loved it so much and I learned so much that I just stayed. Yay, that's so perfect as a, a journey and to have a 
a place to learn at the same time. But yeah. let, me, let me ask you your why. Like, what makes the art of puppetry an art that you cherish? I think because the art of puppetry is the art of making a new life. Um, which is, you know, it, it is part of the puppeteer, it's part of the puppeteer's imagination um, and part of the puppeteer's creativity. But for the, even for the puppeteer, his or herself, and for the audience, it's like there, now there's something new. You know, there was just an object there a moment ago, but now there's something else that's alive in this room. Like we, we made a life. Um, you know, Frankenstein, you know, it's that, but, um, you know, and I think about that a lot and I think how, you know, we have all these phrases in our, in our vernacular, like, you know, life is good. Or, you know, you think about the creation story in the Bible, how, you know, God looked at the life and he said, this is good. And I think there's something in us and human as a human race that thinks of, that sees life as something good, you know, like when someone announces they're having a baby, you know, most of the time people are excited about that or, you know, everybody, everybody loves puppies and kittens and new life just brings that joy and delight. And, you know, to when you when a puppeteer brings a puppet to life, suddenly, look, we created a new life in the room and that's exciting and fun. And, you know, everybody comes along for the ride. Yes, <laughs> it, it's so interesting. And with a lot of like positivity, I feel it, it's really right. I, I love that. I, so, uh, yeah, I think one of the one of the things about puppets that's so wonderful is I think they have a unique way of just being delightful. You know, bringing yeah. a a core sense of joy that speaks to the very. I mean, even like a baby. If you put a puppet in front of an infant, they'll laugh and giggle and engage. I mean, there's something inside us that just really loves to see that, and yeah. uh, and it makes us us happy. <laughs> That's so true. That's so true that life inspires. And yeah, and, I agree. and their puppets can be so funny in really wonderful ways. And, and just, and they speak to us as in our, as humans, they speak to our humanity. Um, and I just, that's one of, I just love that. Yeah. I feel your passion. This is amazing. <laughs> And the crowd is feeling it too. We have question, and this is interesting. We have Julio who asks how to keep the positive energy in a place as wonderful as Disney, which actually sounds obvious, but one can get used to the magic. That's it's that's really I can I totally understand where you're coming from, Julio. I um because a lot of times when you're working in a place like Disney, a theme park. Um, you're doing the same show every day, sometimes eight or nine times a day, um, you know, and it can get very rote and it can get very like, oh, well, here I, you know, I'm clocking into work. I'm going to, you know, make my magic and then clock in and, and leave. And, um, I find, and it was kind of, you know, similarly at the Center for Puppetry Arts, we would you know, run a show 13 shows a week for, you know, six to eight weeks, you know, sometimes more than that. Um. And I think when I, when I ended my career there, they had like a little going away party for me. And someone actually added up the number of performances I had been in, including, you know, the all family shows and some of the adult shows that I'd done, all the shows that I'd done there. And there was almost 5,000. So I had almost performed 5,000 
shows. It wasn't all the same show, <laughs> but no, you know, but you know, doing this show over and over and over and over and over every day. How do you how do you keep it fresh? How do you keep that magic alive? Yeah. Um, and you know, I think one of the techniques that I have to think about and and is I have to remember that the story I'm communicating, I might have seen it a thousand times, but that kid in the third row has never seen it at all. And I have to communicate this story clearly and with joy and passion and, you know, and creativity and spark to that kid, you know, or that adult or that person, you know, so you, you have to, and I mean, working in the parks, a lot of times I do, I go out in the park itself sometimes um, just to go, just to see it from a guest perspective again, just to go, mm -hmm. wow, this place is really cool. I work in a really cool, wonderful place that has a lot of positive energy. And, you know, and the, just to remind myself, and then I yeah. can put that back, you know, backstage with me and just to say, I, I cherish this, you know, this is, this is something that's really special. And a lot of people travel a long ways and pay a lot of money to, to be here. And there's a reason. Um, and so, you know, you just have to kind of remember the, that, you know, what you're doing is really cool. And even if you're doing it for the 857th time, it's still really cool. And it's really cool to that person who's, for them, it's the first time. Yes. Yeah. It's really a mind shift that you need to keep all the time. It's yeah. so interesting. We have also Valerie who asked, what is some advice you would have in giving your puppet personality and a voice? Well, that's a great question. Um, I, uh, you know, I, not all puppets speak. So you have to decide, okay, does this puppet have a voice or does it not? Um, so if you want to go to down to the basics, you want to start with the, with the movement of the character because all puppets move. Um, if, you know, in my opinion, that's, that's the primary way a puppet communicates is through movement. Um, even if it does talk, um, you know, it's it, the way it positions its body, the way it uses its head, the way it uses its arms, if you have arm rods, um, all of those things communicate the personality of the character and the emotion of the yeah. moment and, and the story. So I think I would start with, uh, you know, with the puppets, with the puppets movements and see, you know, what does it communicate if I tilt the head this way? You know, what does it mean? Um, you know, one of the phrases we used at the Center for Puppetry Arts all the time was, does this look like anything? <laughs> like, <laughs> puppet in a certain way. And someday, sometimes the puppeteer's perspective on it is different. So you're yelling out to somebody, like, does this look like anything? Does this look right to you? So, you know, you're trying to get that perspective on, you know, when you move, when you have a certain movement or a certain posture or a certain rhythm, what does that mean? And I think a lot of that, a lot of the personality in the movement comes in with sort of a, a rhythm and an energy level. Uh -huh. um, when I do workshops, I use uh, the characters in the Winnie the Pooh stories a lot because they have such a lovely spectrum of energy. Um, you know, you go from characters like Tigger, who is on the very high energy. I mean, hopefully your audience can understand these characters because yeah, yeah. all cultures know them, but um, you know, Tigger is the bouncing tiger and he's, he's like all kinetic energy. I'm going to go back to my physics here. Mm -hmm. but like he's, he's expended energy. He's, he's just this kinetic energy. And then on the other end of the spectrum of, of energy and physics is potential energy or stored energy energy that's not expended. So then on that end, you have Eeyore, you know, who's very yeah. slow, low to the ground, 
not expending energy. And then the other characters, one of the fun exercises I like to do is to kind of have my students place the other characters on the spectrum where they think they go. Um, you know, are they more a high energy character or are they more a low energy character? So I'd say as you're developing your own characters, kind of think about where, where would they fall in the energy spectrum? Are they, do they, are they high energy all the time? Are they, you know, really hyperactive or are they more low energy or are they, a, you know, a parent that would have more of a nurturing, calming energy? Um, you know, where do they fall on that energy spectrum? Um, you know, and, and maybe do they have any specific signature movements that go along with their personality? Um, you know, like if you think of like Miss Piggy with Frank Oz, she's, you know, doing the hair flipping thing or, or those kind of movements that go, this is, you know, when you, when you see it and you go, this looks like something, this looks like something my character would, would do, or, you know, and it kind yeah. of with you and like, that's, that's it. That's the character. Um, so, and then with voices, if you decide that your character has a voice, um, a lot of it for me is just placement, you know, where, uh, like at the Center for Puppetry Arts, you know, because we weren't seen, uh, I could do, uh, sometimes we were, I'll, I'll have to do it again, because we did, did lots of different styles. But if we were not seen, you know, I could play any kind of character. I mean, I could play a male character. I didn't have to play females all the time. Um, so a lot of times, like I had a, a elephant um, and his, his name was Oliver and he had a very low voice and he wasn't the brightest but he's very sweet and so I I placed him way back in my throat and opened my throat um and one of the greatest honors of my life was when I came back um after I'd, I'd gone away from the center 20 uh, 2012 I came back in 2015 for the opening of the new Henson wing because uh, I wanted to be there for that and all over the new museum there were these icons with Oliver, the elephant on them, which was my, the character that I had originated in the original version of um, Cinderella Doll Circus. But that's like became sort of the symbol of the center and it became a symbol like a, you know, uh, and uh, for whenever the kids in the museum was kind of interactive. So if you went up to an exhibit that had an interactive element, it would have this little symbol of Oliver, the elephant on it. And I saw that <laughs> and my heart just went, I'm, I, you know, because I miss it so much. I and mean, when I left a job like that, that just was so much a part of you, you, you really miss it. It leaves a hole in your heart. And when I came and I saw that, I was like, I'm still here. You know, a part of me, a part of a character that I created is still here helping, you know, audience members every day to, to interact with, with puppetry. And that was so heartwarming. <laughs> but yeah, I would place his voice way down here. And then, you know, you... A lot of my characters were sort of motherly, maternal characters, so th those would be kind of in a mid-range. Um, and, you know, and then uh, sometimes, like, uh, I had a lot of nasally characters. Uh, <laughs> I, I did this rat character who had kind of this New York nasally accent. <laughs> he, was kind of, he was kind of abrasive and, you know, not really very nice, but, uh, you know, he had his lovable moments, too. But uh, he was a little more prickly, um, certainly more prickly than, than Oliver. Um, but just finding those placements, yeah. whether it's way, way up high or way down low or somewhere in the middle and finding that um, um, that that placement that really goes, yep, that's that character. Or an accent, you know, figuring out when I was doing the rat, I was like, oh, it was that accent. Um, or I did a, a clown character who was kind of scary and obnoxious, <laughs> <laughs> trying to be friendly. It was this, you know, funny, weird 
you know, and I'll be like, the way a lot of people feel about clowns. They're like, they're very friendly, but they're so scary. Um, so, um, but she was more of a Clarabelle cow. She had a really like wide voice that was kind of in the middle, but would you know squeak up a lot. And um, so just finding, just playing, playing with your uh -huh. own voice and seeing where it goes and, and what kind of character it gives you the idea of, or just looking at your puppet and going, you know, trying different voices and seeing the one that, that sort of fits. Yeah, that's such a good advice. Like, I, I really enjoy it. It's, it's kind of a lot of inspiration for work and it's great. <laughs> but let me ask you also about your goals. We, we are almost at the end of the interview, but okay, I want I'm to... Sorry, I know I talk too much. <laughs> no, it's so perfect. But I want to hear you on your goals, like for the future, what you you want to accomplish as a puppeteer or do you have a dream like something you envision um, i think it's very simple i i really i just want to stay being a puppeteer you know what i mean mm -hmm. feeling like that is kind of the definition of who i am mm -hmm. you know i love doing it professionally right now you know, my opportunities to do it professionally kind of vary. Like, you know, sometimes uh, when I was at Disney and we were doing puppet shows every day, great. When I was in the Center for Art, Puppetry Arts, we were doing puppet shows every day, great. Um, you know, now sometimes I'll do a video project, you know, with uh, a company down here called Michelle Lee Puppets. And, you know, uh, that's just like two or three days here and there. But it's still, you know, connecting me with, with puppets. Um, yeah. So I think, I, you know, I don't have lofty goals to like, you know, be some great shakes on the puppet stage or in, in video puppetry but i i just want to continue doing what i'm yeah. i, I want to continue doing puppetry yeah and whatever opportunities may fall my way you know i'm looking in the um next few months here i'm i'm slated to do a project with michelle with and the orlando opera um, oh wow uh, they're doing a brand new opera staging a premiere and they they want to include a puppet in that um so you know those kind of artistic challenges are very exciting that's so cool. That's true that you can accept some challenge, but at the same time to keep going, persisting in one direction is really powerful and it's a good right. goal. Right. Just I, I just want to always be able to go, I'm a puppeteer. Yeah. That's part of how I define who I am. And you know, whether however I express that, I just wanna I just wanna be a puppeteer. That's all. <laughs> that's, that's so perfect to name it like this and it's funny because it's attracting attention so we have rob from australia who said that he, it's so informative so all you said uh, it's so great and in french nancy says super bravo yeah. <laughs> yeah so so cool and and julie we are almost at the end i i want you to to plug all your social media i want if oh. people want to reach you want to to ask questions where they should look or if they want to know more of your work where they should go Okay, well, um, I am on both Instagram and uh, Facebook as uh, Julie Dansby. Um, I'm just Julie Dansby on Facebook. And on Instagram, it's Julie underscore Dansby. Mm -hmm. um, so if you, uh, I, mean, I mean, I'm sorry, on Instagram, it's Julie underscore Dansby on Instagram. Um, so you can, now that's mostly, that's a lot more personal stuff. But um, uh, I also, with the Kennedy Center, um, the video that I made for them, uh, where you can learn how to, I can, I teach how to make one of these, uh, tabletop rod, simple newspaper puppets. Um, 
That is part of a series that they do called Teaching Artists Present. So if you go to kennedycenter.org, it's Kennedy and then with a hyphen center.org and look under their Teaching Artist Present series. Um, that uh, you, can, you can find my video, it's called uh, Creating Newspaper Puppets, I think. Um, but uh, I'll also put the link to that in my uh, Instagram bio. Um, yeah. So if he's interested, they, they can go there, and and if they want to make their own little newspaper tabletop puppets, you can you can find me there. And I have a, a few things on YouTube as well, you know, with pup, just talk me talking about puppets, kind of like this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's perfect because you you are full of resource. I feel your background in in mime and singing and everything is yeah. bringing something really Thank important. Into oh, I'm also on TikTok. Um, uh, just have fun. Really. Yeah. Uh, I use a lot of like very simple sock puppets on with my TikToks. This is the lamb that I use a lot. Um, and I just make stupid puns using the word you. So I find just any song that strikes my fancy that has you in it. And then I sing it with the lamb and make it silly. So <laughs> it's just, but on TikTok, I'm known as Puppetrix. So P-U-P-P-E-T-R-I-X. That's perfect. And yeah, we have Steve Axtell who say hi, Julie. Hi, Steve. <laughs> so cool. It's a small world. Eh? And Rubina asked maybe about your YouTube channel. Are you on YouTube? I am. I am on YouTube. I do have a channel. Um, some of it is puppet related and some of it is me singing with my kids. So, <laughs> but if you're interested in that, um, yes, my YouTube channel is uh, under actually under Julie Scarborough. Okay. Um, so I, I use both names sometimes. So yeah, J U L I E, and then last name that one last name is spelled S C A R B O R O U G H, Scarborough like like Scarborough like Scarborough Fair. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's perfect. I think we will all have a look on this. And we have Tina who say, love your idea. Thank you for sharing. So Aww, truly, thank you, Tina. Yeah, I think we really appreciate the, this moment. And yeah, that it's life and we live that together. And this is so wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. No, this has been amazingly fun. And I, I love to talk about puppets like this. So in case it didn't come through. <laughs> but um, so, yeah, I've had a wonderful time. Thank you so much, Carol. Yes, I, I appreciate your presence. You are really a great communicator. So, yeah, we have uh, many stuff popping on the chat. Like some of your work is available yes. through the puppetry art still yes. some video yes, still uh videos um for a while they sold them on dvd when that was a thing um but uh yeah they now they can street you can stream them on vimeo um but yeah a lot of center for puppetry arts shows uh that contain my work are, are up there on vimeo through the center for puppetry arts so there's uh weather rocks i know is up there which is a fantastic science show about weather very uh, overt puppetry very fun um our dinosaur show is up there uh, the version of Beauty and the Beast we did, which is really cool. It's found object puppets set in kind of a junkyard. So like oh. the trash becomes something beautiful. Uh, it's awesome. All Most of these are uh, for John Ludwig uh, shows. Wow. He's amazing. Um, he's been the artistic director there for many, many years and, and definitely one of my inspirations. Um, but yeah, those and uh, Tall Tales, American Tall Tales, which is a sort of 
several different stories all woven together in different styles, uses some fantastic shadow puppetry to tell the story of John Henry um, right. and stories of like Pecos Bill and, and Paul Bunyan and stuff. These are sort of traditional American stories. So let's have a look, everyone, on that. And, yeah, and find, yes, yeah, you can find those on Vimeo through the Center for Puppetry Arts. Yeah. So and and, and we have Rubina who say, "I live in Scarborough, <laughs> in Ontario." So this is funny. But we have also she knows how to spell it. Then that's good. Yeah. You. We have it in the chat. So you know. And uh, yeah, Toy say great episode from Columbus. Oh. Oh. Yay. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah. So cool. So Julia, we'll have to push you out of the screen, but stay in the virtual studio so we can chat after awesome. we start. Fast but we can chat a bit after sure yeah so everyone say bye to julie bye. Bye. Bye, hey everyone thank you so much for watching we have a wonderful time all together live connecting the community and yes if you want to join us this weekend we have this workshop coming about ventriloquism Yes, it's on the on Sunday at 10 a.m. So yeah, please join us and have a look. It's on the Patreon page. We have the link. I share it on my my wall so you can you can find it. And yes, for sure, we, we will appreciate to be all together on a big Zoom chat and have Satyajit to share his stuff about ventriloquism. And if you need help about promoting your art, sharing social media marketing stuff. We also offer some service, so have a look on, on that too. It's it's part of all the Patreon stuff, so you can read about what we do as coaching to help artists, especially right now. We need to keep promoting what we do, and and yes, for sure, things will get wonderful and better. And yes, so everyone stay safe, and uh, yeah, have a wonderful evening. And we have other episodes coming, so stay tuned for the Puppet Podcast. Good night. Thank you.